Well, 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 look at this. We're right back in above the 400s. I know like two days ago, we were just looking at a breakdown of that 394 level on the S&P 500. Now we're focused on this week. Of course, Jerome Powell has two speeches this week. We got to watch what happens there. We'll talk a little bit about Tesla lowering their prices. Why would they want to do that? talk a little bit about that we'll take a look at lordstown motors hmm their earnings we'll take a look at sienna look at some upgrades and downgrades and dennis dick has some truly interesting conversation about how maybe the consumer may be getting by out there we'll talk a little bit about housing today you guys smash the like we'll take a look of course tim quas will be joining us it's market structure monday's team hit the like Let's get it started. Rise and shine. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. traders and investors we got a 20 point range uh overnight but you know what we're just hugging unchanged here at 40 49 75 after that nice rally uh the buck up but not much almost eight cents 104 56 and a half bonds trying to be up a stick at 125 and 23 30 second crude Hit 80 again and backing off. That's a big level. Down to buck 04, 78.64. Gold up 270, 1857.20. Silver flat at 21.24. And Bitcoin getting a little bit of a bounce up $125, 22,445. We got Triple D a little bit under the weather. But he's fired up as always. Triple D, how you doing this morning? Uh, another flu bug hits the house. So stomach flu came through here three weeks ago. It comes back once again. Um, obviously, the girl, the five-year-old, bringing it in. I mean, when you got young kids and you lock yourself up for two years straight, your immune systems are all compromised. So every time something comes in, we all get sick. So bad flu bug here. The girl was throwing up a lot Friday night. My wife and my boy throwing up yesterday. I haven't got to that yet, but I feel like crap. So I figure I'm going to trade out of the, my positions at the open, do the show for you guys. I'm going to go back to bed because I feel a big headache here. Um, not nauseous here yet, but I don't know if that's coming because everybody else has been thrown up in this house. Joel. We got to figure out your mute trick, the little toggle. You've got a keyboard button. The we're gonna, we're, what we're gonna do in, in chat. We're gonna troubleshoot this with Joel. Mitch and Joel are gonna troubleshoot this today, because I'm annoyed with the two. It's probably a little keyboard toggle switch that he's got on there, because he keeps going on mute, and it's doing it too much. So we're gonna fix that. We're gonna fix that. I, I, I just smile about it nowadays. You, you just yeah, know what I'm gonna do? Now be coming. You know what I'm gonna do? We're gonna fix it. You know what I'm gonna do? I, the reason I mute is because you asked me to mute when I drink a cup of coffee or water because you said you didn't want to hear me slipping. So what I'm going to do 
We are all feisty here today. We'll get that I'm in the slurp. worst mood possible because I'm. Hey, Michigan had a bad loss yesterday, so and Joel's you just in better, the worst you mood because Oilers had a bad loss. I'm not happy. We're all in terrible moods. Here today. I'm in a good mood. I don't know about you. Bring us up. Why don't we just not do moods. the show today instead of like everyone nice. bitching and whining? You need right some now. coffee. You need some coffee. Guys? I'm gonna put my coffee cup by the mute button, so when I drink. I see it. I put it down. I look at the mute button. Are you I'm... physically hitting the mute button? I think it's yeah. by accident. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Oh, you are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought so it there goes that so theory. For getting on time mute. All right. Triple All right, D. Let, let's start out. Let's start out. Triple D called me very feisty on yeah. Friday. Yeah. And he, he has a theory. On how we're going to get around all this. Oh, no, it's not a theory. It's uh, empirical data. How we're going to get around the rising interest rates. At least in Canada. How? How? Let's go ahead. Let's take a look. It's Uh, all about kicking the can down the road. That's how they do it. Kicking the can. The bankers are too smart for the Fed. The bankers are too smart for the central banks. And here is the issue, and I did not realize this was going on. So in Canada, and you know, I'm speaking, I'm going to speak a little bit about Canada, and then we'll bring it back to the States. But in Canada, a lot of people are on variable mortgages. So I've been arguing on this show that eventually people are going to start to slow down on their spending because their mortgage payments are up so much. So if you take interest rates, and I had a variable mortgage on my rental property, which I turned around and paid off because I don't want to pay 5.6%. Uh, but it started at 1.42% last year. It got up to 5.68%. And at that point in time, I was like, I'm selling some uh, investments and just paying that off because it's dumb to uh, have a 5.68% mortgage when you've got stocks that you can just pay it off. The reason a lot of people have variable mortgages is, you know, you can prepay them. Maybe there's other reasons. You know, interest rates have just been low for a long time. So a lot of people have variable mortgages in Canada. So you've seen the average payment go from probably... You know, let's just say you've got a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Um, that's like twenty three hundred bucks a month. You raise interest rates from two percent to six percent. Now you're looking at a mortgage payment of closer to three thousand a month. So a significant increase. So you would think that would curtail some spending. You know, people. Oh, I don't have as much monthly income because I'm paying more on my mortgage payment. Well, what has happened here is that the banks, who are way smarter than the central banks, so you're talking the localized banks here. You have somebody coming in, for example, knocking at the door and saying, I've got a little bit, you know, my mortgage payment um, has went up substantially here. You know, it's went from 2000 a month to 3000 a month. I'm a little bit tight for, you know, money here. You know, what can you do for me? Banks being as smart as they are, they're saying, no problem. We'll take your amortization from 25 years to 35 years. That brings your payment back down to 2200 a month, which is basically where it was before. And you can continue your excessive spending habits. Have a nice day. So we have the stats to show this. TD CIBC, this is from Steve Soretsky, said that, and, and just a follow on Twitter, Canadian, he followed, follow him for Canadian mortgage inter- information, said TD Bank and CIBC Bank, two of the big six banks in Canada, have over 25% of their residential mortgage book with amortizations now greater than 35 years. Last year, that number was zero basically zero. So this is exactly what has happened. They're just extending the amortizations out to keep the payments down so that the consumer can continue to just go out and eat dinner, spend, have fun. Same thing. Now you can say, well, it's not applied to the US because, you know, we have a lot of people on fixed mortgages. Yes, but there is some, you know, different, you know, get trying to get into a fixed mortgage that's higher. 
there's there's probably going to be some of this as well. But take it to the car payments, talking to another buddy, car dealer, talking to, um, I didn't realize this was happening either. Typically, your amortization on your car is five years. Now they're doing 10-year amortizations. So to get the payments back down so that people can afford them, they are literally just extending out the amortizations. So they'll continue to do this. I mean, take it back to the housing thing. We raise rates further. Let's take that 35-year AM to a 50-year AM. Let's take it to a 60-year AM. Let's just not have, you know, we just won't bother paying it off at all. So what the consumer is basically doing with their YOLO mind, you only live once, is just kicking the can down the road to their children and their grandchildren. Instead of a house, they're going to leave them a lot of debt. The classic affirm style, right? This is how the consumer is still able to find money with rising interest rates. This is going to continue to happen because finance is just too smart. It's finding ways to get around the Fed. So here you go. I mean, 30-year Peloton, somebody's joking about. But this <laughs> yeah, is that's what I was, trying to, that's what I was joking at. Like, hey, it's the Affirm style, right? Buy now, pay later, man. Or pay, pay never. way later. Or pay way, never. It's way later. <laughs> pay way later. That's what they're choosing to do. Dennis. Spinner is saying 100-year amortization for student loans is next. Probably. Probably, Spinner. But, you know, they don't even have to do that because they're trying to, like, you don't even have to pay off your student loan. They're still talking about, obviously. But I mean, they're this still is... battling in that. They're still battling in that. <laughs> so, so what does this mean for the stock market? It yeah. means a couple of things, and it's hard. It's still not clear to me what it exactly means. So, one, it means this inflation is going to be much more sticky. It means that the consumer is going to be hard to break because everybody is working to keep the consumer spending, despite the Fed wanting to slow spending to get inflation in check. So does that mean, you know, we just go back to all-time highs, consumer is never going to break? I don't know. It depends how hard the Fed fights. If the Fed continues to fight like they say they're going to fight, this inflation could stick around for a while. And if we start seeing a tick back higher, which we did, you know, now we've forgotten about it because it's two, you know, it's been a week and a half ago and the market doesn't think back to a week and a half. That's why we were selling off because inflation was ticking higher. If the consumer continues to spend like they do. The inflation's hard to break. We start seeing a tick higher. Does that mean stocks start to sell off? Or does the stock market become complacent eventually and start to not care about inflation and start to just care about corporate profits? Because the corporate profits will continue to stay high as long as the consumer is spending. So there's a lot of questions to be answered here. I still think we're range bound. I'm going to stick with that call that I made a week and a half ago. I think we're in this range, 390, 410, 415. We obviously have moved to the middle of the range now, starting to look like we're trying to make a break for the upper end of the range. I think that's how I'm trading it. But let's get your guys' thoughts just on the consumer staying strong because bankers and finance figuring out a way to keep the party going. And that's the truth. Um, we are seeing right now, we saw today uh, some downgrades in housing. DR Horton shares are trading lower after JP Morgan downgraded the stock from overweight to neutral. Also, JP Morgan downgrading KB Homes to underweight and lowering price targets there to 32.5. So we'll see what happens if this actually comes into the housing to play an effect. Those stocks have almost felt like they haven't truly gotten affected yet. Um, ho- ho- who knows? Maybe is it down the line? But like the way you're describing it there, Dennis, is that we might not even run to some trouble there if the consumer can just keep pushing it down the line. And that's it. And it's the mentality, too. I mean, if you look back to our parents, Joel, and you can talk, you know, about this as well. I mean, you look back, you had to have 25% down to buy a house. Uh-huh. You know, interest rates were higher then. 
consumer was more prudent. They're like, well, I can't really afford that. The consumer mindset has completely changed in the last 40 years. And COVID made it really go over the top where people live for today. They're like, I may not be alive tomorrow, so I'm going to live for today. So the bankers willing to give them more money by just kicking you know, and by extending their amortization and kicking the can down the road. The consumer is going to take it because the consumer is not prudent. The consumer is reckless. That's the biggest issue that we have here. And that's the biggest issue the Fed has here. They're trying to break consumer demand, but the consumer is completely reckless. And if the local bankers keep finding ways to give them money, they will spend. They don't care that, oh, I'm not paying my house off in 25 years. I'm paying it off in 35 or 40 or 50 years now. They don't care about that because they want to live for today. The YOLO mindset is a serious issue for the Fed. Uh, they, the, the bankers are just taking one out of the, you know, uh, taking a page out of the book from the Fed. It's basically what, you know, what they're doing as far as kicking the can down the road. Uh, the thing, too, you have to look at is like when these houses or cars or whatever, when they come to, you know, maturation on these things, they're not going to have the same equity. And I think one thing now that uh, is keeping this market alive, too, and we talked about this, is that, you know, uh, people do have equity in their homes and some people and they've been, you know, perhaps been able to to stave this off a little bit. Um, as far as these housing stocks are, and I know they got the downgrade today, they've been holding up pretty well. And uh, just overall, I'm looking at KB Homes here. It looks like it has good support. It's been bouncing off the 34 area. And then um, DR Horton, D, uh, DR Horton looks like it has good support at 90. I mean, this thing is 20 bucks off all time highs. So that, you know, whatever's been going on, it hasn't really hit the stock, these stocks yet. And that is kind of where you thought. They it would go to first, right? Would be I, I hitting hitting the housing market, but these stocks, I mean, they look okay. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, let's let's I, bring it. I to think the it's markets. a kicking the can down the road. I mean, yeah. is this happening in the states? Is this happening? Because you know, what's one thing to be locked in your 30 year, but then when you're going to build a house, you got to go apply for a mortgage, and those rates are higher here now. Are they just giving out longer amortizations to get the payments back down to reasonable level? I'm I'm assuming it is happening. If it's happening in other countries, it's probably happening there too. So, I mean, this does kick the can down the road. It keeps the housing you know, market going. And we know the home builders trade with lower PEs because we kept thinking, well, eventually people aren't going to be building houses. But maybe if they just give them longer amortizations, they can find the money to do it anyways. I think you're going to see just a slowdown um, and, and a massive slowdown in, in homes being built, homes being purchased. A bunch of people will be kind of just stuck with their homes. If you, for any reason, need to get rid of your home, it's going to be harder to get rid of your home because I feel like the people that wanted houses probably already got it in that lower interest rate. And if you didn't get your house, well, are you really going to be willing to pay and get into a fixed mortgage at this rate? I would think that was unwise, but of course, that's all up to you. But the consumer, that, that assumes that the consumer is prudent. And this is not a prudent consumer. This is a very reckless consumer. I mean, the stats are not saying what me and you, Mitch, have been thinking. I'm right with you. I would think logically that people will hold off on that project. I would think logically that people will say, hey, maybe I can't afford that new home. Maybe mm -hmm. I shouldn't. But you know what? If the bankers can find a way to make it happen, the consumer yeah. is reckless and they will do it, even if they're tight for money. We saw that in the financial crisis back in 2007, 2008. And I know a lot of you maybe haven't, weren't trading back then. But this is what it was. You know, they were giving literally $700,000 mortgages to people who were making 20 bucks an hour. 
And that was because, you know, they bundled them up subprime, sending obviously the rating agencies. And we know all the issues, you know, if you yeah. watch the big short or any of those movies, you kind of know where it came from. But again, what it proved was that the consumer was reckless in 2007 and they're very reckless now. Does this mean it all ends in a blaze of, you know, crash and burn? I don't know. We kicked the can down the road so far. And to your point, Joel, this is what the government has been doing for the last 20 years. We've taken the deficit, you know, in Canada and the U.S., up substantially here and not worrying about it. So, yeah. I mean, they just keep the extending, you know, built on debt extend the cap. So, I think we're just at a point where nobody cares. They're numb to it now. Let's bring it to the markets now, right? Now, one thing that we can think about this, and uh, I think that we'd have to bring it to, I think Tommy Lackey was one of the first couple of guests that kind of mentioned that we could see the recession maybe push down the line, that we could have a strong right. first half of the year. And at first, I'll be honest, and I love to be honest about it. When I first heard that perspective, I was like, no way. It has to be coming now. But the more and more I see it, is that the consumer is still strong, that it's going to take a long time to break the consumer if we are going to get to that end, right? That's the hard landing. And it seems to me this just leaves more and more room for the Fed to continue raising rates. But another thing that it leaves room for me is that the market could just kind of shrug this off and start pushing higher because it's looking down the road to when the recession is going to come, not right now. And it could potentially not happen, right? There's still yeah. more of that possibility. And I think that now this does leave room for the 50 basis points at the next meeting. But until we get the CPI report, I still see right now at least clear upside action that could continue to come in. Yeah, we don't have any earnings. And we talked about the possibilities of this. This is why when we got to the bottom of the range and we didn't quite get there, I was saying 390, we got to 392. If you're just using, you know, the SPY and looking at that, yeah. but there wasn't a lot of catalyst to really knock us down. Go to the show three days ago. This is what we were talking about. And I was like, it's kind of oversold here now. We don't have, we're out of earnings season. We don't have a CPI number for a bet. I mean, there's room that this could turn around. And I mean, two days, bang, bang. Now everybody's got their bull hats on again. I still think we're range bound. I still think there's a battle between the bulls and the bears. I'm going to stick with that theory. I mean, I think if you're writing covered calls here, I think it's not a bad strategy. If you're going sideways, the way to make money in sideways markets, selling dips or selling dips. And I'm getting it all backwards. Selling reps, buying dips, short reps, buying dips. And if you're in the options market, selling premium. We, so, we do have a jobs number on Friday, uh, mm -hmm, which, you know, control, yep, a monkey wrench and things a little bit. And we do have uh, the CPI data coming. But uh, the way the market reacted to that last time, it was kind of like a delayed reaction, right? It even had the uh, Powell with his disinflationary speak, and that kept us up. Uh, what, I mean, if you want to look at things like technically, and whether it's the S&P or, uh, um, you know, the, the spider, I mean, you, you made a higher low off the October low, right, in uh, December. And then you just made another another higher low if you you know if you think that that's a a substantial low, uh, it wasn't as quite as long as a period of consolidation down there. And I think the thing that really tricked people is that you know the the move on Thursday, right, with that big down open, yeah, you make exactly. a new low of the move by like 25, 30 handles. You're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm going to get a look at 3900. And then boom, you turned it around on Thursday, strong close on Thursday and we we, we flipped a little bit on Friday. I mean, we're 
we weren't as bullish as the market turned out to be, but I thought it was an important day. You know, after that, that, that rebound off that low like that, it was that the onus was on the bulls to do what they did to get the market up here. And we're getting, you know, just the way you had that close on Friday, they were even buying in the after hours. You're getting a little follow through to the upside. And the thing of the matter is there's not much resistance in here. Whether it's the S&P or the spider, I mean, you can look at a, you know, a daily high. The next daily high I have is 4089 and a quarter. That's 30, 40 handles away. If you're looking at the spider, right, the next daily high coinciding, uh, coinciding with that comes in at uh, 407 and a half area. So there's not much in here to stop us back, you know, getting back up to that. 4200 in the S&P and it was just under that in the spider. But it's no range bound. So yep. I mean, I think you get up there, I think you're selling stocks. I think you I think you keep playing this way. You get in the lower 390s, you're buying stocks. I think you're getting the 409, 410, 415 area, you're selling stocks. I don't see I just see I just don't see us going back to all time highs and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe with you know what is happening with you know longer amortizations on car loans, mortgages whatever you want that the consumer is just not going to break. But I do think the Fed is going to continue to fight this battle. If the consumer doesn't break, that means the inflation data is going to start to tick higher again, which is not again, good for stocks yep. either. So I think it's just a battle here. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to call the sideways market. I tweeted out two weeks ago, sideways market. We obviously sold off substantially since then. But we came back in the last couple of days, which is going further to my theory that we trade sideways for a, a while here. Trading One thing that I want to note is that uh, the weekly candle actually closed green last week. And I know a lot of people probably felt that it was more of a bearish week, but the ending of the week, I think is very important that swing back because I, I, I was too also in the camp early in the week. I was feeling bearish. I was like, Oh, it looks like we're going right back into the channel that I've been you know, looking at. And if anything, this look looks like what we call a technical throwback look where you come back to that channel and you bounce off of it. At least technically wise, and if I just think about it technically wise, this does look more bullish to me than I expected. But it's hard to be uh, bullish when we just rallied. If I think we're range bound, we just rallied 120 handles. Yeah. Literally squeezed, 120 I think handles. we were squeezing shorts out because if you look at the you candles. Think the squeeze yeah, that's exactly what we did. Do you yeah, think we that squeezed continues? some shorts out. Like I that, think if you're that's, chasing, that's where you got to be thinking today. That's where that's that's going to be the price action at the open, right? I, I think if you're chasing here, I think you're doing it backwards. I think you're going to get another dip. I think we're going to be in a range again when we rally. If we're range bound in a 250 point range and we get a 120 point rally in two days, I'm taking profits. That's how I'm trading that. I'm taking yeah. profits. And you know what? If it goes to 410, so be it. But, you know, maybe I didn't get the whole move, and I never get the whole move. I just get a chunk of it. But that's a pretty good chunk. We just literally, we were talking about 250-point range. In literally a day and a half, we just got back half of it. So yeah. I think you've got to be selling into it. I think there's room to 410 too much. I think there's room to 415 too. But, you know, if we're still trading in there, I think you still got to be lightening up on the rallies and buying stocks on the dips. And trading it just from that perspective, I think that's how that's, that's that's how I'm approaching it. What's keeping me also a little bit more confident? I tried to make this comment in the pre pre show, um, but my thing is, look at the last time when we fell like hard. That was the August time, right? When we were just ripping through the roof and we were getting up there to four thirties. When we started coming back down, I can see on those candles big red candles. What did that show me? That to me, that's elevator moves down. Now, when we're pulling back, it seems more and more like these red candles are getting tighter and tighter 
on the downside action. What does that show me? Stair stepping down. That shows me more that there's buyers being found on the pullbacks, at least from the technicals. There, there's buyers on the pullbacks, Mitch, but you're also ignoring that there's sellers into the rallies, which we saw in February. We had this ridiculous rally in January where, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it gave the majority of it back, at least if you're looking at the SPY. But there's individual stocks, too, that have done similar things. But, you know, it's a stock show. Obviously, we've been talking macros here for the first 25 minutes. I mean, we have yeah, some big calls. It's that kind of day. Apple, Apple getting a buy rating yeah, from Goldman Sachs. Yeah. That's Ooh, having a great day. It. That's your driver here for today because Apple's up $2.60. And if you're wondering why, it is all Goldman Sachs initiating coverage. There it is, Mitch. Awesome on the bottom They're screen. Initiating Apple with coverage? a buy rating. Yeah, I know. It's, it must have been the analyst. So, again, that was surprising to me too. New, I think it's yeah. a new analyst they, that's probably. That's what they often do is analysts quit. So when they quit, the <laughs> investment firm has to throw out all their ratings. So then they hire a new analyst. They come and take coverage of it. Quit or get fired. I don't know which one it was. <laughs> or they get fired. I, mean, I think for the most part that they it's hard to fire people anymore. I think they just go to a different firm. These guys bounce around. Guys and yeah, girls they'll bounce just, around. We'll see them in a different one. But they initiated coverage on Apple with a buy rating and announcing a price target of $199. Um, I was looking at Apple last week. I actually traded this on Friday. Um, I was looking for a move back up towards kind of that, that 150 action. We're already at 153. Yeah, There's 153. one chart of the big boys that I feel bullish technically. It's Apple. Yeah, you got some room to the upside here. Uh, we've already eclipsed the February 17th uh, high of 153. So... Apple's climbing its way back a lot quicker. The next daily high of any significance is 156.33. Uh, another uh, 157.38. They're kind of spread out here. Uh, but, uh, you know, Triple D, the 155 area, has some uh, memory too. So trading at the highs of the uh, pre-market session, right at 153.365. So just as the charts indicate, there's not much in there. Until you get over 155. As I said, 156.33 is the next relevant daily high. That was your February 16th high. So the biggest component in the S&P 500 index leading the market higher, up 1.71%. And we've had a lot of people come on this show and say the leaders, you know, of the next big move higher are not going to be the Apples and the Microsofts. I think those people are wrong. I, yeah, think I think that they're think, too heavily weighted in the industry. No, they can't. It, it, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it's going to take a long time for oil what? stocks we all to agree be on the something? driver. <laughs> I, I just think, and again, this isn't a, a story to go run on by Apple. I've sold my Apple because I don't like the valuation of it. But if yeah. we're going back to highs, it's going to be Apple that lead us there. I don't think we're going back to the all-time highs, but nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows anything. The relative strength on this thing has been so impressive. I mean, you think about how many stocks have really been hit tech stocks. This does, they don't care. It's got a 25, 26 PE multiple. Um, same thing with Microsoft. They don't care. I'd love to get it back at a 15 or a 16. I don't think, I don't know if it's going to happen. I keep thinking, you know, eventually we're going to get a significant pullback. But, you know, what I see over the weekend with kicking the can down the road and, and obviously people finding more money, ways to spend money, it's hard to be rah rah bearish too. Yeah. And uh, one thing that you're, you know, you're talking about, you know, with Apple, you know, you get that analyst rating, you know, getting it going and just back to the, the important point you made there, Dennis, about, you know, the concentration of the S&P for all the years that we've been observing the top components, right? 
they, they, you know, GE back in the day or Exxon Mobil. I don't think you ever got to a point where you had this much separation, you know, with Apple, Microsoft, Google, and Amazon. I mean, and then Nvidia coming in, you know, right behind uh, Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, that is just the the percent. I, I, I take those four stocks. I talk about the ten stocks being thirty percent. Well, you take those four stocks, and they're probably what 22, 23, 24 percent. So Even they got to go come down, and they've closed the gap a little smidgen. It's just so huge in there, and I mean, you can show that. Maybe we should show that tomorrow, just the breakdown, and it's still significant. So, you think the S and PY go back to highs without the big guns? I think you're gravely mistaken because it's all math. Yeah, yeah I think. Um, I that. like that monthly chart too. Definitely monthly chart on Apple is getting a lot cleaner. You can go ahead, Joel. Pull it up. The yeah, chart looks decent. It. The chart looks decent here, and we have to respect that technicals, and we have to respect yeah. a reckless consumer. I mean, if yeah. you're a full-on bear, and I'm still in the bear camp, but I'm kind of in the neutral camp here, you know. And that's why you know I'm trying to just stress as a trader here. I think it's really hard to call this market. I think it's really hard to call it like six months from now. That's why I think we're just going to chop around. I just don't see clear indications where the bulls are winning and the bears are winning. I think the battle rages on for the foreseeable future. I mean, Apple and Microsoft are 12% of the S&P. Those two. Just those two stocks. Yeah. 12%. So, you know, if we're betting, and what's, you know, give us like a couple of the bottom ones here. and I Maybe not the bottom ones, but let's go out to like the middle of the pack. Oh, like, let's I mean, just go. right here. I mean, you start when you, you get to Merrick, it? it's 0.81. Yeah. And yeah. And then uh, you go. I mean, how, you know, and Merck yeah. obviously has had a fantastic year. So if you were betting, well, it's going to be Merck that drives to all time highs and you're buying S&Ps, you're in real trouble there because uh-huh. Merck has just been, you know, had a really good year. I mean, if we look at it, obviously, the last, the last couple of months, but since the beginning of 2022, when stocks went straight down, Merck's went from 80 to 106. So this went up. 30 percent 35 40 percent the s&ps went down that's again why you know you can't bet you can't bet bullish on the overall market and then bet against the mega cap tax the math doesn't add up yeah you moved uh you know exxon mobile once fell out of you know fell out of bed and wasn't even in the top 10 you can i like to combine the googles right right around three percent you put that up there that goes above amazon nvidia been making a nice charge right another another tech company uh tesla's been out of it the one that got actually got up to third or fourth or maybe fifth place at one time was uh meta and then that that completely fell out of bed. At one point, Meta was up there with those stocks too. But uh, yeah, I mean, if those stocks go, they're they're the ones, and they're they're so far from all time highs. I mean, except for Apple, Apple's close. Uh, but Microsoft, you got some work to do to get the all time highs. Look at that; that's a long ways away. Uh, Google, whew, whew, that's got a ways to go. Amazon, that's got cut in half, still cut in half. So. Uh, strong one's been NVIDIA. NVIDIA is very impressive here. This is on the verge of a breakout today, Dennis. Look at all these highs in the same area. 238.88, 238.80, 239 on Friday. Once again, that hasn't really paid to chase in this market, but if there's one stock it pays to chase in, at least recently, it's been NVIDIA. It's well, been Tesla really too. I mean, we've let's get Tesla to the Tesla. Tesla as well. Yeah, it's let's do the Tesla. Off the highs. It's come nope, up. It's up a hundred percent this year, basically. 
Sox basically yeah. up 100%. Call it 100 bucks, start of the year 104, 105. Basically up 100%. I mean, impressive, impressive move. I keep thinking, well, where are they going to find, you know, and they're cutting prices. I mean, the fundamentals yeah. are just, you know, you're cutting prices is never a bullish thing. But it doesn't matter if the consumers, you know, obviously, well, if the consumer's going to buy. I mean, they're going to buy. But I just think the investor here, when we've talked about, you know, the prudent investor before, I mean, the investor is yeah. not prudent either. They're reckless too. So you're fighting a reckless consumer, a reckless investor, reckless analyst, because they just come out and throw high price targets on everything too, talking their books sometimes. But, you know, sometimes just, you know, well, I want to be that analyst that stands out. So I'll throw a crazy price target on something, and try to stand out here. I mean, you're fighting a lot of things here. The Fed is on your side, though, if you're bearish. So that's why I'm like, I don't know who wins this. That's why I just keep thinking we're just going to chop around. So that's my call sideways. I think we could be six months from now and still 405 spy. And if I'm buying dips and selling rips, I'm going to make a lot of money if we're still in the same spot. If I'm an investor and just buying a 405 and six months from now we're 405, I'm going to make the dividend yield on spy and that's it. And that's not nearly enough. All right, let's get to the Tesla news there. They lowered their prices on the Model X and the Model S vehicles in the U.S. Um, Model X dual motor is down about 9.1% from 109,990. And the Model S dual motor all-wheel drive is down 5.3% from 94,990. Of course, we're not talking about the average consumer here. Let's just be honest. No, but I think with Tesla's <laughs> sales going, you know, and obviously the growth that they've seen and with lower interest rates from years ago, I think that you had people stepping up. I think you had an average consumer that could actually go out and afford a Tesla. Some, some, yeah, not, not, a, not, not, not a Model a, X or not, Model S. Not, not, you know, the people who are on food stamps, not the people who, you know, but the middle class. Mitch, which probably had no even business you, buying. Dennis. You buying a hundred thousand dollar vehicle, man? There, the middle class was, I think. And who's buying the Lightning? I mean, if okay, let's just take Good it away. Lord, man. If that's that's expensive. If we are totally reliant on if Tesla is totally reliant on the upper class to keep the party going, the sales are going to go down. The sales that's, are going to go down. You can't just I rely on one is. consumer base. I think the reason the sales growth is there so much is that the middle class was stepping up, probably above their means. But stepping up and paying up for a, a car that maybe they shouldn't, and they're not all a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, some of them are obviously the nicer cars. You know, these, these things are you know forty. Some of these are forty or fifty on the lower ones. Are they not? Yeah, on the lower ones. Yeah, the, the cheaper ones, the ones that. Don't so they're not all hundred thousand dollar cars, but that's why they're lowering prices on the upper end because obviously competition's coming, right? And competition is coming, Mitch. Before sure. we go to Tim here in just one second, just for Tesla. Really didn't pull much. It had that great move in January. Very stubborn in February. Had that little dip on Thursday uh, off the investor day where they weren't too impressed. They bought it back up. Uh, I'm just going to – it seems like it's a battle of 200 here. I'm looking at the uh, – I'm looking at the high on Friday. That's 20048. We're trading right here, 199. I think what the bulls need to do is they need to get this back over 200. And I'm not going to focus on the highs. The high closing, high close for the move is 214.24. But you got to establish a bid there at 200. Another foundation to take it, take out the high of the move. So up a buck 28, uh, trading just off the highs of the pre-market session. All right, time to get to everybody's favorite time for Monday. Market Structure Mondays.
And Tim is back. How we doing, Tim? <laughs> well, th- I'm tired. Actually, I'm about blue grassed out. I have to blue say, blue grassed out. That that that, that three, seems so tough. So three, tough, Tim. <laughs> three three days of six plus hours <laughs> of uh, bluegrass uh, will will uh, will have you looking like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know the pinky was I, up little... this weekend. I know the pinky was up this weekend, Tim. Don't Where'd worry. Where'd you go, Tim? So, uh, so Joel, there's a there's a big annual festival called Winter Wondergrass uh, that started in in Avon. It, it, the you know the guy who created this uh, program, but the last number of years it's been here in Steamboat, and uh, it is uh, thousands of of folks turn out outdoors in the snow uh, to listen to uh, the great bluegrass bands, and so uh, you can get all of your bluegrass for the entire year out of the way on a single weekend. That's awesome. So it's efficient. It's efficient. Also Did you get the all- invite, Dennis? I didn't get no. the invite. Did you no, get the invite? I, I, I will make sure that you have it next time. <laughs> but I we could have done my construction Monday from Steamboat. We got to start going on the road with the show. Right. Right. Let's do you it. Should. Let's do it. Joel. Road trip. Let's get it. Let's get it. Well, Dennis, we don't want you in there coughing all over us. Uh, we, we need a big know, RV. We need like three RVs just coming down. <laughs> That's right. That's Let's all do it. Pre-market prep on the across on the side. America. We Let's did plan a field trip to Canada to get a Beyond Meat burger <laughs> at McDonald's, but I can't happened. remember what happened on that. Yeah. So Tim, and they didn't last there long enough. Let, let's let's talk. Is there a reliable way to know when stocks have bottomed? And if so, what are there? Yeah, when they stop falling and start rising. Just kidding. <laughs> just true. Actually just, true. <laughs> right. That's the most reliable way. Well, you know, it's we everybody's got a way to, to think about that. And certainly we do too. I, I and we were talking about this last week. Uh there, you know, there 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 are things for us to talk about that worked and didn't from last week. Uh, what, you know, the value trade didn't really, and we can talk about why. But I'll tell you how I think about a bottom, and uh, you know, I'm I'm all about the math. It's uh, it, it's not that you know that I'm uh, that I'm a math genius, but the math is reliable. So if I, I hate to do this already to, to folks, but I'm going to show you what. I look at this is the and it's been over the last five years, 100 percent of the time true and nearly 100 percent of the time true over the last dozen years. And that is I think about supply and demand. Where is the supply demand balance in the market and when does it reach levels that will cause changes to occur? And we could talk about why those changes occur. Now, why is it that at a certain point in time, People start buying. That's uh, the great the, the question that goes back to the time of the Romans. Why do stock? Why do people start buying stocks? I'm I'm kidding about the Romans, but here's what I look at, Joel. So this is broad market sentiment, and I don't know if you can see my screen very well, and uh, but there's a green line and a red line, and statistically, every time that our measure of demand, it's just an algorithm that meters buying and selling. Drops below the green line, stocks rise. It is very consistently true. And you go, well, what technical factors uh, come into play? I don't know. You know, I just know that when we hit those levels, which we did on Thursday, 
that the market starts rising. Now, it's very important for the supply side to tick down. This, by the way, folks, if you haven't seen this before, uh, there is a measure of supply and a measure of demand for the equity market, just like there is for any market. Uh, we're going to be measuring uh, supply and demand in the jobs market Friday. And I think that'll be pretty important. But here in the stock market, when buying and selling reach a level where uh, if anything happens, anybody comes in, begins to consume the product, prices can rise. Well, that's a good way to know. And on the supply side, this is short volume. When it begins to turn back down, that's a very good signal too. I'm concerned about how high those levels are, but the, the long and short answer, Joel, is from my view, when broad sentiment drops below 4.0, it is a very reliable indicator of a bottom. Now, how long that bottom lasts is another question, but that's the answer to me. So broad sentiment right mm -hmm. now on the SPY, go back to that, Tim. Yeah. Where, where are we right now? 3.6. So that means to you, you think we've hit a temporary short-term bottom. Exactly. You could go back to the last time that occurred. It was mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Right there. Right after December options expirations. This is why I said it on, on uh, uh, pre-market prep. I said the math would say that there is a 100% probability that stocks rise in January. And the reason I could draw that conclusion was this, this dip below the green line. Now, it depends on what happens with this. The reason we took off to the races in January is because supply imploded and demand rose. And that shot the stock market all the way into February. Is that going to happen again here? Well, it depends on whether this falls below that trend line. If it doesn't, well, this will not be the same kind of boomerang market that we had in January. But at the moment, I have very high confidence that I can pull my downside hedge because the market has a propensity for the moment. Maybe it only lasts till Thursday. I don't know, but it has mm -hmm. a propensity to rise here. When when do you know like to or when and obviously nobody knows anything, but when, you know, do you come in and say, okay, well, we've come up enough here that I'm going to take mm -hmm. profits now. So you're saying when it gets below four from your system, you're yep. a buyer. When yep. are you a seller? I reduce my exposure and shorten my time horizons when it rises above six. Okay. doesn't mean that the market, you know, it just, you modulate your exposure. It doesn't mean that, uh, that I'm going to go, you know, oops, 6.0, I'm out. I don't do that but I'm now going to think more short-term. As long as the demand side is rising, I feel confident having exposure, maybe not even paying much attention, let it run for days. But when you get to this level, now I'm going to be much more careful. And notice that the market is lo was lower when the market bottomed than it was when it topped. This is SPY. So SPY was called at 398. When we returned here, it was 394. It's a very good indicator that the market will not rise above this level. It's going to return to the level where it is at this point. So then you have to be a tactical trader. And I'm going to use that. Then I'm going to go look for the supply-demand divergences in both low volatility and momentum. When I'm out of opportunity and momentum, I will take, I will trade low volatility. But And is it perfect? No. But I produced a 2% uh, return on my whole portfolio last week by being by doing just those things. And uh, maybe this would be helpful. We talked about DraftKings and uh, a company called PCOR. In fact, I've got this here. This is a good indication of how do you know when you should come or go? Mm -hmm. So here's PCOR. It's been a great stock. I traded it 
but look at it now. So demand is beginning to come. That may be fine. As long as it stays above five, that's fine. But look at the supply side. The, the short volume is 62% in PCOR. So that's a good reason to go find something else. DraftKings. Let's look at DraftKings. You know, could you produce? It wasn't as good, but you could produce returns trading DraftKings last week. Uh, but look at the supply Ooh, demand now. Earnings gap <clears throat> too. Look how nice right. that was on DraftKings. Right. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, and you could see that this is what caused it, Joel. Short people had to cover their shorts. So look mm -hmm. at that huge let's one day see. drop. Let's see. Let's right see. There. See that? So what do you mm. see in the chart at the same time? That's mm. what popped the price. Now I would not be in DraftKings anymore. Demand has fallen. Supply is way over trend. It's still below 50%, but that's mm -hmm. a good reason to go find something else. You know, that's, that's what you want to do. The, now, the, uh, now I definitely have to ask the question. I, I, I saw <laughs> that DraftKings move, and um, I, yep. I think it might have been Market Structure Edge that pushed me a little bit. I actually <laughs> swung short that uh, gap there, but I'm going to take a look now about energy because we did yep. get that little OPEC scare uh, last week mm -hmm. that shook yep. a lot of traders there towards the open. Then right. all of a sudden the market opened and we started going straight up. What do you think about energy? Is this time for energy again? Well, it's been it's been a tough one, hasn't it, Mitch? Uh, yeah, you know, because you back think and forth. It, it really has. It has not delivered what I thought it would. But look at this. I, I touched the screen there. Uh, let, look at the supply demand balance in the energy sector. It's the same drill, everybody. It's just top is demand. Bottom is supply. And if demand begins to rise back over five and supply falls, diverging supply and demand, that is what creates opportunity. So I think there is some opportunity. Uh, you know, I don't know how strong that's going to be, but that is the best supply demand divergence in energy, uh, perhaps in 2023. And we're seeing it show up in momentum. If you uh, uh, like CIVI, Civitas. Uh, this is a this is a here's a great supply demand divergence in a stock that has good liquidity, good size. You can get in and out of it. Uh, this rising demand, falling supply is exactly what you want to see. So, Mitch, I think there's opportunity in energy again, even EQT in the in the gas group. Mm. I mean, it's been yeah, that has been a risky. risky I, area. I think it's I think I agree with you. I think it's sneaky. I was saying last week, I kind of like Chevron down here because we've totally mm -hmm. forgot about, you know, the big buyback and they've been hammering it. And yep. all of a sudden, you know, we started putting three, four lows in the same area. And then boom, you know, obviously we had this headline that came Friday and it's like, looks like OPEC's going to increase supply and they hammered oil stocks initially right. off of it. And then you right. had the total reversal trade where they just turned around. They couldn't stop buying the oil stocks by the end of the day. So yep. I don't know if that rumor materialized into anything or if it was just a rumor. I think it was more of a rumor than anything. But I do think valuations in the oil sector are cheap. And I do think that some of these stocks are oversold. Can you do a sentiment on? Oh, you already have done it. You've already brought it up and anticipated yep. what I was going to ask. What the <laughs> Chevron on. is? Yep. So there you go. Your your numbers saying the same thing that there's a potential that Chevron is bottomed. Yeah, it's demand is rising. I'd like to see supply fall further, but you know, look at the downtrend. This is a 30 day. Is it 30? No, it's maybe even longer than that. Uh, no, it's a 30 day downtrend. I just had to do quick math there. So down falling supply. Demand beginning to rise again. I'd like to see it get over five. I prefer that when I'm a buyer because what if a stock doesn't return to five? Then you're caught with a stock that won't rise. Uh, what does five mean? Well, it just means that there is excess demand. If it's a 10-point scale, we just normalize the data to 10. 
stocks above five tend to outperform. But yes, we're setting up here for some good opportunity, I think, in, in Chevron. And that's a good bellwether for energy. All right, let's take a look at maybe how do you feel about natural gas? Everyone in the chat's like, yep. well, what happened to natural gas? What happened? <laughs> what well, happened? Uh, maybe market structure edge can help us out it, with that, right? It well, absolutely can. I mean, it, it's you know, there's there's no perfect solution, but I, it, but it's a great way to think about the group. And I've got mm -hmm. seven components here in my nat gas portfolio, and and I, and here's why it's been so tough. The more time that stocks spend below five, the worse they tend to do. And really, since the end of January, you could go all the way back to January options expirations. That was the time to be out of natural gas. Demand peaked and began to fall. How do you, you can always look at the calendar. Comes around the, the, the third week of each month most times. And it's been weak. Well, we finally are back over five. Happened here too, but, but supply was rising. So now we have rising demand a downtick in supply. If that continues, we have opportunity in natural gas. Uh, so it's it's better than it's been. Uh, is that is that is as you know is it awesome? It's not as good as the whole of energy, but that's not bad. All right. I just want to make a couple of quick comments here on uh, the natty gas and the UNG. Uh, we were talking about this at pre market prep plus. Everyone was chasing a rally. Yep. It hit a level, whether you're, I'm just going to give you the levels for the, for the UNG. If you feel like that move off the low was the, the low, you know, a major low, you're getting a chance at halfway back of this move here uh, from the February low. So Natty Gas or uh, UNG that comes in at 857. And then for the futures, which uh, I like to look at more so than the, uh, than the UNG, you're right at that area right now, 2.67. You're, you're giving back half of that move. So uh, keep an eye on that, folks. If uh, if you're looking to nibble on along, you felt like you missed uh, the rally. Here's a chance on a, on a pullback. And it's oh. If you think that that was a major low there in Natty Gas. I got one last question here for Tim before we get him out of here. Now, one area that I definitely mm -hmm. wanted to take a look at is yep. I know last time when we were running up and then we started breaking back down, you were looking in the momentum category. I want to know how many tickers are showing up in momentum now. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I'll show you those two portfolios. I run uh, a, a slightly different screen, but this is a momentum screen. This is a value screen. And it's really interesting to see value has a lot more mm -hmm. than momentum. I'm going to go back up to the ones that we use all the time. Here's momentum. This is where I pick my trades. Uh, and there are five in it. And in low volatility, where I'll pick the, the other side of the, the equation, five in it. it the, the numbers are paltry, and it's kind of surprising. You know, you could go back to January and there were 35 in momentum. And you really knew that, wow, there's an awful lot of momentum. So that is a little bit concerning. Uh, does it mean that we're, we're, you know, not off to the races? Well, it's a data point. Uh, but these are the things that I will look at. And all of these to me are good choices. I traded Natera last week. Uh, great, great returns in it. Here's Civitas, which I mentioned. Range Resources is in a deal, we think. <clears throat> so beware of that. NVIDIA, I mean, it's kind of amazing. EQT, I mentioned. So those are all things that have momentum characteristics, but it's not 25 or 30 or 35. So I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, on the flip side of that, I said, I think that the value trade could return. Well, it sure hasn't, has it? So I was wrong on that count, but I think what needs to happen 
for value to have appeal again is, say, for instance, a weak jobs number. I'm, and again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. For those of you who, who are less familiar with the economic data calendar, every month, usually on the first Friday, uh, we have jobs data in the U.S. And it's a very important metric right now because it, it affects the, you know, the Federal Reserve's policy. Well, when the first day of the month is Wednesday or later, it gets pushed into the next week. So that's this week. And so, you know, if, if, you, if you're going to be careful, the time to be careful is Friday, maybe even Thursday, because we don't know what that number is going to be. If, there, if it's a surprise for the market, either strong or weak, it could affect the way that global macro funds go long or short, and you could see momentum suddenly vanish. And so you just have to be aware of those kinds of things. They're the things that affect the market now. Well, definitely. You guys can keep up with all this data and ask questions. If you guys have any questions, definitely reach out to Tim. I'm sure he's more than willing to walk you through it. And if you feel that you need some help with Market Structure Edge on how to best use it, definitely reach out. You guys can get a one-month trial without a credit card. And of course, use that promo code Benzinga to go ahead and get that discount for that one month. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Like always, you guys can keep up with everything Tim Quas does. He also has a good Twitter. He puts out some mentions every now and then. So give him a follow. We'll see you next time, Tim. Hey, one last thing, Mitch. Yeah. I forgot to mention this. It, so, so it's kind of big news for us. We signed a content agreement with Interactive Brokers awesome. last week. So it's the first big step after you know working hard to make oh, sure yeah. that this platform works to now bring it to uh, more folks. But that's it's a big first step for congratulations. For Ed. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to see that, that Tim. Tim. Yeah, I'll look definitely. forward to because I'm an IB customer, so I'll Me look too. forward to seeing your stuff on IB. Thank you. Yeah, great you can platform. Get it, right? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, definitely. you guys have a great big week. congrats, Tim. Have a good uh, just one. real quick while we were having that informative interview with uh, Tim, we we snuck up and made a new high. Uh, we mm. uh, the previous high was at sixty two fifty. And uh, we just got to 64, backing off a little bit. So, uh, you know, little so far, a little bit range-bound. But uh, as I mentioned, at least for the S&Ps, and if you guys want to, guys and girls, want to just look for correlations here, uh, the area that, you know, if this momentum continues, there were some highs at the end of February in the S&P. February 17th, uh, you had a high at 40.96. And then uh, the 21st, that's after we had a three-day weekend, uh, you had a high at uh, 40, 89 and a quarter. No, really no daily highs in there to rel uh, that, to speak of. So if you're looking for those comparisons, of course, Apple getting a little bit ahead start is already back at those levels, but that's because of the move by Goldman Sachs. Yeah, we'll take a look at those stocks. And I uh, just wanted to highlight one stock, of course, Marvell Tech was able to climb the wall of worry from yeah. their earnings. Uh, Goldman Sachs Talked today put a yeah, maintain, uh, uh, maintains a buy on Marvell Tech and lowers the price target to 46. These are the type of stocks that we kind of kind of got to catch, right? Especially if we keep seeing this type of trend where stocks get hit then climb back. It hasn't been all the reports that definitely kind of calmed down a little bit, but in the tech names, we've seen this happen multiple times now. Yeah. And on the bigger companies, not talking the little county type exactly. stocks, but you know, the bigger, you know, Marvell tech and I've owned this a couple of times and I talked about it on the show on Friday. I'm not in it currently, but I've been in this um, for swing trades multiple times and had some luck with it. I kind of wanted it to get down to the 40. It didn't quite get where I wanted it to go. 
got down to 41 10 and then they just never gave it a chance so i would have liked it a little bit lower to take a shot at it i did not get in it but um obviously anybody who was buying that dip on early friday morning rewarded instantly yeah the, i think i was a little early there at the 42 dollar level i'm looking at the, the price action I'd like to look at the uh this is where you could have used that open actually opened at 41.38 dennis and then hit 41.10 so if you were just going with the blind stab on that one, uh, also you had good market dynamics, right? On uh, on Friday, yeah, it was it was a good day not to have a great report. Uh, getting a little boost now, up sixteen cents at uh, forty four nineteen. If you want to see continuation here, you want to see a bit above Friday's high here at forty four twenty eight. Then you got some real estate. You got some room on. I don't know if it's going to do it today, but after this forty four twenty eight. There's a pair of highs. This is called 4650. Uh, if you're a Marvel trader. All right, let's take a look maybe at an area that I'll be watching to see if it can continue moving. I am watching for deer to break out now. It's up there. I'm going to be looking to see if it can get through the monthly high of 437.88. Uh, full disclosure, I'm not trading deer. I have a different name in the industry at Picar. Um, but I did see Cat Strong last week. I was looking yeah. for Deer to really hold 420. I talked how much that level would be important. We really pushed from that level last week. Now I think the weekly looks great for a move back towards 440s. I'm going to be watching to see if the uh, industrials, farming, heavy construction machinery can keep going. And again, you know my uh, that I'm on the opposite of this, that I've – thought at 440 but it's just you know it's when am i gonna flip times. dennis on this this one's been the hardest you, one you I... won't flip me on it i'm sticking <laughs> with it um but again you know when i see stuff like i saw over the weekend with you know extending these amortizations like ah oh, i'll go buy my new uh, lawn tractor now because he extended my mortgage on. this keeps it going it keeps the party going the multiples on these have always been cheaper you know, i just keep thinking yeah. the consumer demand is going to come down on these products maybe i'm wrong Maybe it's going to be the bankers that fix the problems. We started the show talking about the amortizations being extended on homes, on cars, and I'm sure it's being extended on probably farm equipment too here, Joel. I mean, this is big ticket stuff. So, you know, a lot of people aren't just going out and, you know, buying their new farming equipment for 150000 or, or even, you know, it can get crazy, some of that farming equipment. Um, but, you know, if you can extend it out and do the amortization a little bit further, the payments don't look that bad. Uh, Barron's uh, went bullish on the farms uh, after the thaw, bright future on the farm. And it just uh, talked about, uh, you know, new new methods of farming and everything. So if the, you know, if it's good for the farmers, they're going to be out buying those cat. I, I go by those places and I'm like, holy mackerel. Those things got to those big things. It's got to be <laughs> hundreds of thousands. Can you imagine trying to work one of those? Holy mackerel. Uh, looking at the cat here, the cat is, you know, cleared, uh, cleared an area resistance. Yes. On Friday, back down again. Uh, I was looking at the deer and the one thing I just want to point out, if you're looking for this, man, all these monthly highs in the same area, 447, boom, 448.40, right? Four four. 4770 and then in for a lot of times when i see those kind of formations on a big stock like that i mean that's just it, it sometimes could be a turn and i'm not saying you know to short it here or whatever but like look at all those monthly highs in the same area uh you have some patient sellers up there that's where they want to let stock resistance go. very well defined yeah 
very well, very, very well. Can't but I also so feel like it's I also feel like it's holding from the top of the range, right? You got the breakout above yep. 417, right. 420, yep. and you're holding it on pullbacks. So at least you know where your out is, I think, in that case, right? Uh, let's go to Sienna. Let's do let's Ooh. do that last one there. Let's sneak this one in. Uh, EPS at 64 cents, beat 36 cent estimate sales at 1.06 billion, beat the 959.4 million estimate. What do you guys feel about this chart? It was really your only earnings of note here from this morning. So an update here. They're hungry for buying stuff. So it's breaking out. I mean, value stock to a certain extent. I mean, what's the P on this thing? It's not crazy. So it's a stock that's been beat up over the course of 2022. It's probably come down to a reasonable valuation if you think the consumers is going to continue to party. I don't know. I don't have a problem. I'm not going to fade it when a stock's breaking out of the range, which it is here this morning. But again, I don't buy the rip, so I'm just out on this one. This thing got up to 57 bucks. It got just over 57. Uh, yeah, 57.10 is your uh, is your pre-market high. Uh, I'm just looking on, on the dailies and Close as I can get for a, a target here ahead of that is uh, fifty six thirty eight. Uh, but man, after what Broadcom did, uh, was that Friday? That thing was just on a tear. It's just hard to say this is not going to continue after that day on Friday. It's tacking on another three bucks today. Probably trading above Friday's high. I saw someone ask for a level here. Uh, Friday's high, 35.73. So open it right into Friday's high there if you're trading the uh, AVGO. Well, great guys. Great uh, show today, guys. Uh, not a lot of material, but we covered a lot of good stuff here. So yep. Triple D, I want you to feel better. And uh, yeah. Money Mitch, I'll check in with you guys later on. Everyone have a good day. Yeah, have a great one. You guys can keep up with Joel. He goes now to Pre-Market Prep Plus, right? You guys can check that out. Go to premarketprep.com. Check that out. Let's, we're going to start wrapping up. Dennis, you're going to take the day off? I can't yeah, believe this. Yeah, I am. This. I'm going to get out of my positions. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm not, Dennis, I'll probably come back. Dennis, I don't want to see you on Twitter at 12 in the afternoon. I need a few hours to just rest here because I'm queasy. Everybody not, get on Dennis get if you see him in the afternoon. I haven't Take got day, as bad, my crossed my fingers, I haven't got as bad as my wife or my kids. I have not thrown up, but I feel just hey. kind of like I got hit with a hammer here. So. It's okay, Dennis. It's okay to take a day, right? Three three weeks ago. I'm, I know I'm sick all the time. You get young kids, you get sick. So anyways, good luck, everyone, today. Stick with it. Range trading, sideways action. That's what I think we continue to do. Everybody's saying to feel better, my friend. Thank so, you. Uh, a lot of love from the chat, and I hope you feel better. Dennis is out of here. He's going to go do what he does, get out of his positions, then actually maybe take a day off. You guys out there, keep Dennis honest. I'm, I myself am going to do it. I always, I know how hard Dennis works, team. And I know how hard he works also pre-market and after hours. I really hope he takes a day because, I mean, sometimes we all need a day. And I think it's an important thing, right? Understand when you're in the zone, when you're out of the zone. We just talked all about this. We went through a whole book on it, trading in the zone, right? Well, we want to know when we're in that zone, when we're out of that zone. And when you're out of that zone, it might just be better to not be in the markets, right? I know, Mar I know Dennis is a little bit more pressured than others because – you know, his livelihood depends on his trading, right? Full-time trader. Well, even himself sometimes deserves a little bit of a break from the market. We always got to be on top of our psychology game. And if you guys want to keep upping your skill, check out the book club. We're going to be getting into 
Japanese candlestick charting techniques. Yes, it's a book you guys can check out and definitely join the book club. We keep getting more members every single week and everyone has a tendency of enjoying the streams. I truly think so. If you haven't checked out one of the streams before, I definitely tell you guys to check it out. Even if for any reason you don't read the books and you just check out the streams, I think you guys will enjoy our book club. I'm going to throw it up there for the forum for you guys can sign up. It's the only exclusive video on our YouTube that you cannot get access to unless you sign up for the forum. So I'll see you guys over now on live trading. That's coming up next. And guess what? I heard Someone might be back in the chair that you guys want to see on live trading. Come check it out, team, and smash the like button. Let's see what I can get into this week. And, of course, don't miss Start Swing Trading. This week and today, we will be having someone that's in the chat all the time. Beach Bum Trading. Yes, you guys see him in the chat all the time. He's actually going to be joining Start Swing Trading today, 3 p.m. Eastern. That starts. And, of course, you guys can catch out the closing print. That's at 3.30 But I've been kicking it out the waters with my swing trading show. I want you guys to check it out, get some ideas. And like always, you guys make your own investment decisions. We're going to keep pushing here on pre-market prep to get to the next level. And like always, all information is for informational purposes only and not to be used as investment advice. We'll see you next time, team. Smash the like and come over to live trading starting now. (laughs) 